This is an SJC Radio production. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Pit Stop. Uh, this is a new season. This is season eight. This is episode one of season eight. Um, Joe is with me. Hello, Joe. Hello. Happy New Year and, and all that. Um, yeah, you too. We haven't got Finn yet. He might be having issues yeah. uh, getting on, possibly. Uh, yeah. So, last time I spoke to you, I, I think Christmas seems an awful long time ago. Yeah. I asked you what you're going for Christmas. You said you didn't know. What did you get in the end? Anything exciting? Well, actually, on the 23rd and the 24th, I felt pretty rough. Oh. I was throwing up for me for that. Oh. But I managed, managed to enjoy New Year properly. Well, so that's that was good. nice. That's good. I went. But, uh, yeah. what, what about, did you get anything exciting for Christmas? Uh, not massively, no. Just, well, I mean, still grateful, obviously. But, like, got some nice clothes and uh, nothing nothing motorsport related. Okay. Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, right. How was your Yeah, it was good. It was very nice. I went on New Year's Eve, Joe. I went to a party where there were lots of ex-St. John's pupils. But we're talking pupils who started at the same time that I did in 2005. So they're all in their late 20s. So that, that was that was really nice. Yeah, it was, it was really pleasant, actually. Right. Okay. Now, uh, Joe, you should we go with your quote of the week? Yeah, because I know one listener certainly likes this uh, uh, this bit. So, and, and I suspect he's probably the only listener, Joe. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. He's just the only one that's liked it enough to contact us. On on the subject, uh, Joe. On the subject of listeners, <laughs> uh, downloads current total yeah. three thousand nine hundred and seven. No way. That's good, That's isn't it? Good. So we're going to be hit 4,000 uh, in the next couple of weeks, I expect. Right, Joe, over to you. Your quote. Your present circumstances don't determine where you can go. They merely determine where you start. Okay. Yes. And I would link this to F1 uh, in that George Russell yeah. uh, with Williams. And you could easily argue that with uh, Nick DeVries and Oscar Piastri and other people, which aren't necessarily joining at the, the, the very pinnacle of Formula One. But as, as long as they're joining Formula One, you know, I think that's, that's a great stepping stone. Yeah. And also, it's quite good in some respects to join one of the sort of lower ranked teams because there isn't the same uh, expectation. Mm. Um, I remember, was it, didn't Fernando Alonso, I think he joined, now it was the Minardi team which is a back-of-the-grid team. But if you do well in one of those back-of-the-grid teams, 
Uh, chances are you'll be picked up by you know perhaps one of the top teams. If we think about um, Daniel Ricardo, he started off with. You know, I forget the I forget the team. No, was it HRT? I got a feeling it was HRT. Yeah, yeah. It was a racing team, yeah. But he, he okay, that's just a real back of the grid team, but he did really well in that. Well, obviously he did well, very well compared to his teammate, was then picked up by Red Bull, I believe. So you look a lot better. I'd say you look a lot better coming fifteenth in a Williams than you would uh tenth in an Alpha Tari. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, what you don't what you don't want to do really is to join a top team straight away because that there is yeah. There is a lot of pressure there, particularly a team like Red Bull. If you go from Formula Two straight into Red Bull, you don't perform straight away. Um, like Alex Tobin. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so um, yeah, you, you. Well done, and thank you for linking that yourself, Joe. That that was really good. <laughs> Excellent. It's less vague than the other ones we've had in the past, isn't it? <laughs> now. Um, now, moving on to news, uh, I've I've got quite a bit here. Anything you'd like to start off with, Joe? Uh, well, I know Aston Martin, uh, something you won't notice, or at least I wouldn't have noticed if it wasn't pointed out to me, have changed their colour. And I had to be told they changed the colour, even when both colours were facing me. It's <laughs> it's like a slightly more bottle green, and that's how strapped I am for news. Okay. That, that makes I I, I thought, I mean, in fairness, there's not an awful lot there's not a lot of, lot of exciting news. I mean, there's things no. like there, there's things like launch dates and the, the teams have announced when they're going to launch their cars. But to me, that's really really boring. Um, to me, that's more livery based than cars. Yeah, because the cars are relatively similar looking, aren't they? I mean, on subject to liveries, Yamaha I think released their new MotoGP livery yesterday, and it's like a sort of camouflage livery. But to be honest, it looks much the same. Now, I picked up a few things over the last few weeks, Joe. Um, one yep. of the big talking points recently was about Cadillac. What do you know about Cadillac and F1? Do you know anything about that? No. Well, um, Cadillac um, are keen to enter Formula One, I think, in 2026. Um, but there's, perhaps slightly surprisingly, there's a lot of resistance from the Formula One teams. Um, yeah, I heard that about Andretti. Yes, that's it. I think we're in. That's right. That's right. Andretti Motorsport, I think I'll link up with Cadillac. Now, normally, when a new team enters Formula One, they have to pay £200 million as a sort of an entry fee. Yeah. Um, the other teams want that up to at least $700 million. Sorry, dollars. $700 million. Do you know the reason well, for that? Well, maybe, I don't know perhaps the official reason, Yeah, but it's quite... I think it's probably quite obvious to us and the listeners that, you know, another team means less uh, screen time, doesn't it, on, on their car? Yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right. And also it means that if they're, the more teams there are, um, it becomes more difficult for your, let's say if you're not, if you're not a team at the very front, it becomes more difficult for your team to score points. And, and the more team, the more points your team scores, the more, you know, prize money you will get. So yeah. it's purely for the, reasons that they're concerned. The teams are concerned that their slice of the pie will be smaller if a new team enters. But you in know, your view, the the best the best period of motorsport was what F one was the eighties. How many teams were in the eighties? Well, you would the grid would there be twenty six on the grid, um, but right. there'll be more. So that that's obviously thirteen teams. But actually, if we go to 
the late 80s, 1989, there were far more that there were more than 13 teams. There were there was about there was about 30, probably at least 32, maybe more than that cars. And they used to have something called, was it pre-qualifying on a Friday morning where about five or six drivers would be sort of, would be knocked out and wouldn't go forward to qualifying on the Saturday. Would you say that's healthy? Would you say more teams are healthy? I, I would. To me, 20 cars, 10 teams, that isn't healthy. Formula One, I think, should be 26 cars, 13 teams. So it's a bit disappointing this, from a spectator's point of view, that the other teams are so reluctant to expand the grid. I think Formula One wants to expand it to 24 cars. Um, but I, I understand where they're coming from because it's going to, you know, it could negatively affect um, the amount of prize money that the other teams win. Another point that I, that, that, that I, having gone through the news the last few weeks, something else I picked out, not massively interesting, to be honest. Joe, are you aware of the rule changes for Formula One this year? Enlighten me. I mean, well, they, they aren't they aren't major rule changes. They're raising the minimum ride height. This is to avoid the issue of porpoising. Um, yeah. The other one, uh, it's not a rule change as such. That there's going to be more sprint races. I don't know how many there's going to be. I've said this many times before. Formula One should either have a sprint race with every race or no sprint races at all. This sort of will have one or two here and there. I don't particularly like that. The, <laughs> the other thing, which is not interesting at all, uh, grid penalties. Um, I tend to sort of switch off when it, they talk about grid penalties. Um, I, I've got a, I've got an issue with grid penalties in general because personally, I think um, if, if, if a driver or team exceed their number of engines, blah, de, blah, de, blah, blah, I don't think the driver should have a grid penalty for that. I think the team should, should drop points in the manufacturer's championship. This grid, this whole grid penalty things is daft when you've got when you've got a grid where you've got five or six drivers with penalties. It, it makes a mockery of of qualifying, really. Right. Yeah. I found something quite interesting yep. uh, the other day. Yeah. I can't remember if I was speaking to someone about it yep. who was also interested in Formula One, or if I was uh, saw it on Twitter or, or social media yep. or the like, and it was. Spain is before Monaco in the calendar. Yeah. And apparently that some of the F1 teams, or at least some of the analysts, uh, would quite like Spain to have that last, uh, that last, you know, that Mickey Mouse chicane, as you call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To stay. Yeah. It provides quite a good um, oh. prediction uh, for how the cars are going to perform in uh, Monaco. Yeah, because it is a bit like a street circuit, that section, isn't it? It's very, it's very, yeah. it's very what we would call Mickey Mouse. Um which I thought was quite interesting. That is interesting. Again, it's it's the as spectators we want to see fast cars going around fast corners. But yes, I understand what they're thinking. Well, it, it it's it's a good yes, it, it's a good. Um, it's a bit like Monaco that section, isn't it? So no, I understand that. Um, let's have a look. Moving on. Um, the next one I've got. Oh no, this is to do with the World Endurance Championship, the Le Mans cars. Uh, they when announced... does that start? What's that? 
When does that start? Uh, it must watch? start in April. Sebring, Sebring is the first round. Um, it, it, yes, it's definitely April. Um, and they, they just announced the grid and the there's, there's been a nice, as we were expecting, a big increase in the number of hypercars. So the hypercar category has been going now for two years. And last year, I think Monza, we had six hypercars. Uh, that's the most hypercars we've had uh, over the last two seasons. Uh, right. 2023, we got 13 full season hypercars. At Le Mans, there'll be some extra ones. Um, so that that that's really good news. Yeah. Now, now before I go on to my my next thing, um, Joe, I understand you you come up with a new um, a new idea. Did you, did you get my message the other day? Oh yes. Did you you, you got to introduce well, this for obvious reasons, Joe. So when we okay okay. So um, there's a there's a there's going to be a new feature. Yeah. Uh, stolen. Or maybe not stolen from Radio Two. Completely stolen. I feel like Radio I Two. Say that. It's completely stolen from Radio Two. Right. Okay. Or maybe we just came up at it at a similar time. Yeah. Maybe. That's. Um. It's called going to be called first and last, <laughs> and so the guests we have on will talk about their first and their last race that they've uh, been to. Yeah. And, and then we'll get their perspective on that. And um you know, see how their progression in motorsport has changed. And then inevitably, as we sort of work their way through their race watching career, if you will, we'll see the progression in, in their feelings of motorsport. Okay. And so, Joe? My first race. Should we do it for us two? Well, it, 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 it's... For me, for me, I can keep this quite short right. because I'm never been to race in person, sadly. So <clears throat> my first Grand Prix was the... Um, 2020 Austrian Grand Prix. So we're talking here for you, Joe. It's the first Grand Prix that you, first race that you watched on television. Yeah. Right, okay. Was the 2020 Austrian Grand Prix. And then the most recent one was the finale of the 2022 season. So rather plain and uninteresting, but I feel the next answer won't be so. Uh, So, sir, what are your first and last? Excellent question. Well, my my first race that I went to, my first race was the 1983 British Grand Prix at Silverstone. And the most recent race that I went to was the MotoGP at Silverstone last year. So, so both at, at Silverstone. Uh, in between, I've been to lots of other circuits and I've, I've been abroad on numerous occasions to watch races. So let's go back to 1983. The 83 British Grand Prix, what can I remember about that? Well, I went with my father and my brother. There's a rather amusing tale, which we, we've talked about before, about my brother sleeping in a ditch. Um what we ought to do, Joe, I think, is get my brother on the show one week and he can tell us all about that. Um, Let's do that. Get it from his perspective. Yes, ab- absolutely. Um, Maybe a rather modern perspective. Yes, yes. Uh, it was very hot, Silverstone 83. Um, what was interesting, I think they had a sort of a sort of mid-season break before the Silverstone race. I think Canada was, was the previous race. And in the sort of uh, intervening time, it might have been five weeks, Ferrari brought out a new car, which duly took pole position, but also Lotus, the, the, the Lotus Renault at the start of the year was a, it was a terrible car and they completely, completely redesigned it. And it, and what, what they came up with was actually a very competitive uh, package. 
um, during the race, Elio De Andres qualified quite high up in the Lotus Renault. He retired very early on, actually. Um, I think the Turbo Blue at uh, Beckett's. Uh, the race, the Ferraris took the lead. Uh, Alan Prost uh, picked them off. He overtook them at Cops. It was one of the, it, because it was so hot, tyres became you know, very important. And I think uh, Prost and the Renault would have been on, I think, Michelin's. The Ferraris were on good years. I think I'm right in saying that. And I think basically the Michelin's performed better in, in very high temperatures than the good years. And it was a dominant win for Prost. Um, that was a season that, that Prost kind of dominated. Didn't win the championship, though, in the end. That, that was BK in the Brabham. Right. Um, so that was my first ever Grand Prix. Um, my last race. Well, not, not say too much about it because we talked about it before. MotoGP at Silverstone last year. What was... What I particularly enjoyed about that race is I went with people who'd never been to a race before. That was obviously Finn, yeah. uh, Will, and Carla, Finn's mum. And it was just great seeing their reactions. They really enjoyed it. And one of the highlights, the weather was lovely, actually. It wasn't boiling hot, but it was it was kind of a perfect day, sort of low 20s, beautiful weather. What was really good is after the race, I mentioned this before, we're able to walk on the track. So they open up, when all the races are finished, they open up the circuit and you can walk around the whole track. Now, we didn't do the whole circuit. Uh, we walked from the Wellington Strait down to the Vale. And I think what we'll try and do next year is, is do the other part of the track. So those were my first and last races. Thank you for, for that, Joe. Um, now... Uh, can, I, can I turn the question? Yes, you can. And say... Well, do you know what we're going to be your next race? Well, that's a very good question. My next race, I do. My next race is going to be the Spa Six Hours. That's that's actually in April. I think it's April the I think it's like the 29th of April. Um, I'm very excited about that, Joe, because I'm going to see those 13 hypercars. Um, so I'm going to see that okay. that new Ferrari hypercar, uh, the new the new Porsche 963. I'm very excited about seeing the the Cadillac. Now, the Cadillac is actually what we call, um, it's a GTP. So it, it's a car really, which is designed for the American series, the IMSA series, but those cars can now compete in the, the WEC as well. So very excited about that. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question, Joe. Thank you for that. Uh, no worries. Now, moving on, there was an article the other day uh in crash.net talking about the five formula one drivers under pressure now you talked about this the other day which yeah which drivers do you think are under the most pressure this coming season well i'd say yuki sonoda actually funny enough um, funny enough joe crash.net had sonoda down as as one of them what well, why do you think he's under so much pressure well he hasn't massive he hasn't horrifically underperformed but I can't say he's performed particularly well. Crash.net uh, um... Crash was saying that last year's Alpha Tower is a very poor car. So he, he could be you know, forgiven for not getting great results. But, yeah. but he, I think he was outperformed by his teammates. So uh, anybody else? You mentioned somebody else actually you thought might be under pressure. Do, do you know who that was? Um, trying to think. Uh, Quan Yu Zhou. Yes. Uh, he, he was also in crash.net's top five drivers under pressure um yeah i don't really get that because he's is he chinese he is isn't he yes and he has a uh, quite a few sponsors yeah i i i'm yeah i i just wasn't convinced by 
that was his debut season last year, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I, I think he actually performed relatively yeah, well. I, I think he did. I, he was outperformed by Morgas. Yeah, in fact, in fact, funny enough, Joe, that's the argument they put forward. It was, it was just, it was, it was that Bottas. He was outperformed by Bottas, but that's understandable because Bottas is a very experienced Formula One driver. He's a race winner. But that was their argument. Now the other three, Joe, I just read you what read you the other three. They had Perez down as being a driver under pressure. I suppose so. It's a it's a very good car he's in, isn't it? Yeah, and I, their argue the argument was again compared to Verstappen. You know the the the, mm. the 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 gap between them in terms of performance. But then again, you could argue Verstappen's the best driver on the grid. Um, but that's the argument. I think that also they suggested that was it towards the end of the season, perhaps his performances dropped off a bit. On the subject of Verstappen, Joe, I was listening mm-hmm. to a very interesting uh, program on YouTube. It's called Trigonometry. Um, it's not a motorsport show at all. Um, chap called Konstantin Kissin. He's he's a Russian chap. He's been on the news. He's been on television quite a lot. And another chap they interview experts in various fields and the other chap who was an expert on psych on psychopaths right and what was interesting is there are lots of psychopaths around and psychopaths aren't all murderers um a lot of people score quite highly on the i think they call the the psychopathy spectrum so a lot of people who are very successful in business I'm not saying they're psychopaths, but they would score very highly on the psychopathy sort of checklist, as it were. It got me thinking. Um, And they're also saying that a lot of top sportsmen, um, not saying they're they're psychopaths, but they share some of the... um, Is it perhaps when you're so driven? Well, that's that's kind of it, isn't it? If if you're a top sportsman, you have to be so, you know, very, very driven and you have to you can't really afford to care about anybody else to get to the top you have to tread tread on a lot of people that's the same in business and in sport and i was thinking about max verstappen then i was particularly thinking about was it the brazilian grand prix where verstappen was in a position where he was able if he let was perez past him it might have helped perez finish second in the championship Mm. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. Perez, as we know, is somebody who's helped Verstappen a lot. And I think we're all surprised by Verstappen refusing to yield to Perez to help him get second in the championship. But that is, uh, I'm not saying that Verstappen is a psychopath, but one of the features of a psychopath is you do not care about anybody else at all. Anything about Verstappen's behaviour, which I thought was really, really odd. Why on earth wouldn't he allow Perez to overtake him? It's because Verstappen does not care about any other drivers apart from himself, not even his teammate. So what I'm saying, mm. I think if Verstappen took a psychopathy test, I think he would score very highly. And that's not diagnostic. I'm not saying that he is a psychopath, but, you know, he very driven doesn't care about others, will do anything, will do anything to get to the top. We think about some of his very aggressive overtaking manoeuvres last season against Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Um, I just thought, I mean, he, he might be a psychopath in all fairness, but 
he would definitely score very highly uh, on that. On that, um, when we get him on the show, we'll ask. We'll ask him if, if, if he's a psychopath. They actually asked eleven. We'll get him to do the test. They, they asked these eleven questions, and I also answered them myself. By the way, Joe, I scored very low. I'm definitely not a psychopath. Well done. In fact, I'm well I'm, I'm so low on the scale. I'm pretty much the opposite of what a psychopath is, uh, which I think is a good thing. Right, I'll my homework for this week. Yeah. Um, would you see how much of a psychopath I am? Yeah, it's called. Tr- it's will... called. All right, the show's called Trigonometry. It's on YouTube. It is an excellent show. And uh, I, what's the one about psychopaths? Now, going back to other drivers under pressure, the other two I thought it was a bit daft. The other two that crashed on that identified as being under pressure were Priastri and Sergeant. What are your thoughts on that? Mm. I don't know. I think that's quite harsh considering they're rookies. I know. I know. I think with Sergeant, the pressure might come from the fact that he didn't. He didn't win the GP two. Sorry, the Formula Two Championship. Did he come third or fourth? I think he came third or fourth. Um, who's this? Sergeant. Sorry. Yes, I don't think he did win. Yeah, and Piastri. There was all that nonsense about with the Alpine seat. Yeah. But Crashdown, I reckon, they're under pressure. I'm not convinced about that, as you say. That you know, they they have me. They have, you know, they they are debutants. Um, I'm not sure how much. Maybe there's more pressure on Piastri as he's going to Alpine, which is a, you know, potential front running car, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Now the other thing, I don't think you'd be able to answer this. Actually, um, shame Finn hasn't been able to make it this evening. I got a feeling Finn might have forgotten. Um, what day of the week? No, sir, never. Because I haven't got a message from him. Never mind, never mind. So I uh, thought it was quite interesting. The riders that um, uh, crashed on net, the, the MotoGP riders that, that crashed on net identified as being under pressure. Um, you probably can't answer this, Joe. Is that a fair comment? No. No. Um, I'll read you this. They identified Mia, Zarko, Nakagami, Alex Marquez and Morbidelli as being those under the most pressure. What I would say, I strongly agree with Morbidelli. He's on the other factory, Yamaha. There are only two Yamahas in MotoGP uh, this season. Morbidelli um, performed very poorly last season. His contract runs out the end of this year. I suspect that in 2024, he'll be out of a ride. And I expect that top rack from Wilson Bikes will, will take over that seat. There's also talk about Jorge Martin being a potential Yamaha rider as well in 2024. So Morbidelli, he's got to perform this year. Um, there were some glimmers of, of hope towards the end of last year, he performed reasonably well in Sepang. But, you know, he's, he's on a top bike. We've got to have two competitive Yamahas. Um, so he's got to perform this year. Alex Marquez, well, he's moving from the worst bike, the Honda, to the best bike, the Ducati. Alex Marquez is a Moto3, Moto2 world champion. He's moving on to the best bike. So he's got to perform, really, um, because he's on the best bike. Basically, Nakagami on a Honda. That's the worst bike. He had a terrible season last year. He's under pressure because I suspect next year his seat will be taken by um, Ogura. In fact, Ogura, they wanted Ogura to go up to MotoGP this year, but he didn't want to go. He wanted to stay in um, Moto2 to win that. So Nakagami needs a good year. They also said Zarko. I was surprised by that. I think with Zarko, I think that, I mean, Zarko always 
finishes quite high in the championship. It's one of those riders who tends to get a lot at the start of the season, tends to perform quite well, gets a few seconds and thirds, and he ends up sort of out of nowhere, ends up sort of second in the championship at the start of the season, but he always tails off at the end. He also always crashes when he leads races. He's never won a MotoGP. Every time he's led, he's always crashed. So I think Zarco, um, I think he's got to be more consistent in certainly in the second part of the season. And he's got to win a race. So I think there's pressure on him to, to win a race, basically. Mir, well, he's gone to Repsol Honda, teammate to Mark Marquez. He's gone from a very good bite, the Suzuki, to arguably the worst bite, the Honda. I think the pressure on him is going to be... Um, the pressure is going to be how he performs compared to Mark Marquez. Because Mark Marquez, we know, can do can perform miracles on a bad bike. I'm not sure whether Mir will be able to do that. If there's a big gap in performance between Marquez and Mir, you know, Mir could be, you know, they, they, his time at Repsol Honda might not last that long. So that's what um, Crash.net said about MotoGP. Now, I've come up with a game here, um, Joe. And again, I've still... Well, it's called surname. It's called surname mastermind, and uh, I've stolen this, but I've stolen it from something which, I mean, your idea was stolen from Radio Two, yeah, um, which is obviously a, a pucker radio uh, station um, uh, by Sarah Cox, by the way, who, who does first and last. They, she talks about concerts that people. Concerts. It's really interesting, actually. Now I've stolen surname mastermind from it is from a radio show but it's from a fictional radio show it's not a real one have you heard of alan partridge yes i love yes. alan partridge, alan partridge you, you you may know is, is 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 a sort of dj on north norfolk digital uh his show is called mid-morning matters and okay here's the game joe it's called surname mastermind um i'm gonna give you two names and these people have the same surname they might be related or they or they might not be um right okay i've got i've got five pairs of christian names um okay here we go first one michael and ralph schumacher well done well done second one jan and kevin Uh, oh, is it Magnuson? It is indeed. It is, yeah, Magnuson. Very good. Max and Jos. Verstappen. Very good. Good luck with this one. Augusto and okay. Raul. Augusto and Raul. Ah, oh, you've got me there. They're Moto G. Well, in fact, they're both. Augusto was Moto Two World Champion last year. Gone up to Moto GP. Fernandez. Oh, well, Gustav Fernandez. Two, 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 Ralph Fernandez was on the Tectoire KTM last year. Um, terrible season, but the bike wasn't competitive. Uh, Ralph Fernandez has moved to the satellite, a prettier team, so he should have a much better season. Last one, Michael and Mario. Cart. Um... <laughs> I'd, uh, Michael and Mario. You, there's a good reason why you should get this. You mentioned him already. One of these people. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, 
goodness me. I don't know. You'll kick yourself. For the, for the, sake, for the sake of good radio, yeah. I'm going to say I don't know, so you don't have here silence of me going, hmm. Okay, that's fair enough. Andretti. Ah. You mentioned, yeah, you, you mentioned Andretti Motorsport and Cadillac earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's boss of Andretti Motorsport? That's Michael Andretti. Uh, so Mario Andretti, um, do you know anything about Mario Andretti, Joe? Uh, no, enlighten me. 78. He was 1978 world champion uh, in the Lotus. Uh, Michael Andretti had a stint in Formula One in 1993 with McLaren. He was teammate to Ayrton Senna. Uh, it didn't go very well. He crashed a lot. And actually, they got rid of him before the season end. I think Monza, the Italian Grand Prix, was his last race for McLaren. And I think he actually finished. I think he finished third in that race. And he was replaced by a certain... Uh, Mika Hakkinen for the remainder of the 93 season. Um, Michael Andretti was before Formula One, uh, he was um, he did really well in uh, IndyCars. He now obviously he's retired, now has his own IndyCar team. He's also teamed up with um, one of the uh, sports car teams in the IMSA Championship, the um. Konica Minalta Acura team. They've partnered with Andretti Motorsport. Um, and also, and as we know, Andretti Motorsport, they want to enter Formula One as well. You mentioned that earlier. Um, right. Uh, in terms of racing. It's a great little feature, that, sir. What's that, sorry? Great little feature, that. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was great. Wasn't it? It, yeah, that, that was good. It would have been better had Finn been here because it would have been a competition. Yes. I'm interested to know if, if Finn would have got Raul and Augusto. Um, now, there has been... Can you try, on try it on him. I will. I'll try it next time. Uh, there has been some racing. There was, at the weekend, there was the, what I call the Golf 12 Hours. That's a 12-hour sort of GT race, sort of GT3 cars, GT4 cars, and what have you, at Dubai. I saw a little bit of that. Uh, Valentino Rossi um, racing for the WTR... WTR? No, it's not. Oh, I've got the name of the team now. But um, he came third in a BMW. Um, nice. Now, in terms of other races... Oh, here we go. Formula E. Did you watch the Formula E for Mexico? No, I did not. I've... I I did. There are too many things that I don't like about it. The street circuits being the major, being the main cause. Well, this was a Mexico, a track that you and I actually quite like. Yeah. Um, now, are you aware they got a new generation car this year? Yes. I think it looks better. I my brother reckons it's a bit a bit sort of noddy like the cars, but I think it looked better than last year's cars. To me, they look more like single seaters. I didn't like last year's cars. They were very big, wasn't it? I think I yeah. think they need to they need to go a bit smaller, and they need to not race on. I think they should just race on the same tracks as Formula One. I, uh, I think you got the issue with uh, the batteries, haven't you? So what I noticed, yeah, they're not. They we already know they're going to be slower, yeah. don't we? So we expect them to be faster. I don't know. What I what I noticed was um, got a new chicane. They've had a, a chicane on the Mexico track. And the reason for that is that these new generation Formula E cars are a bit more powerful. Yeah. And 
So they, they need that extra chicane to, so there's more braking to, I guess, to recharge the batteries. Um, yeah. I, I watched the race. I, in all fairness, I did fall asleep. It's not a great advert for Formula E by saying I fell asleep during the race. Um, it, it was okay. Um, I will try and watch some more rounds. I'll tell you one race I definitely won't be watching. I definitely won't watch the British round at all. Is that because it's inside outside? Well, I, it's 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 the most Mickey Mouse <laughs> circuit Sorry. I've ever seen. As you say, it's sort of it's inside a building. It then goes outside, then back in. It's it's I I cannot watch that at all. But I will try and watch a few more rounds. As I say, the cars to me look better. They're obviously a bit faster. These new generation cars. Um, but you are right, Joe, that there's issues with the, with the circus. And I guess now, because um, they need to generate, is it called regen when they break and they, and they charge up the batteries? Because yeah. the cars are more powerful, they need to do a bit more braking. Therefore, I think you're going to find the circuit's going to be a little bit more. Hello? Joe, is, it... Joe, is, that... is that you making that noise? Sorry. I was, um, uh, I was loading a trigonometry video and then it just started out of nowhere. Okay, Sorry okay. Well, 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 well done for well done for doing that. Um, well, I was making sure I did it now before I forget. I've got some messages coming in, not from Finn, but from some of my former year 10 history pupils. Or a message, I don't know if you can hear the pinging going on. Um, I think they've had their, their mocks, their history mock this week. So those noises are the year 10s telling me how it went. Uh, I think we'll call it a day there, Joe. Um, we'll get back together. I think we ought to get back together. I reckon in two weeks time, not, not next week, but the week after. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, I think, no, 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 let's meet next week. And there won't be a huge okay. amount, huge amount to talk about. I mean, there is a big race coming no. up that they, they turn in 24 hours. So we might talk about that. Um, do you want to stretch that? No, 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 hold on. No, I'm talking nonsense. Ignore that, Joe. We are going to be meet up next week because Daytona is next weekend. So we do have right. to meet up next week. Absolutely. So yeah, I'll talk a lot about Daytona uh, next time. Hopefully, uh, Finn will be here as well. Um, but until then, I think it is goodbye. Goodbye. This was an SJC production. The presenters were Nick and Joe. The show was edited and produced by Nick. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the about page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well